God is good, amen? Woo. If you're new around here, we want you to know that we don't apologize. We get excited because we know that our God is alive. He is active. He is here today, and He cares so much for you. He cares so much for us, and we just can't be quiet about it. Grab your Bible. We'll be all over the place in there today. I just can't tell you one. We'll be all over the place. But uh, I want to ask for you to pray for me today. I hope you pray for me every week. Not because of me. I'm not anything special. But because what's going to happen right now is of supernatural importance to us. Heavenly Father, I ask that you'll not only open our hearts and minds to your word. But Lord, would you... Would you give us a hunger and thirst for your word? In a way that we could care less what man says, but we could care a great deal about what you, Almighty God, have to say to us today. Lord, I ask that the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts here together would not only be acceptable to you, pleasing to you, but would they prove to be fertile ground where you could give us your divine words today. Amen and amen. This morning as we start a new teaching series entitled, You've Got Questions, He's Got Answers, we need to get something straight right up front. This is inferring that you and I have some questions and Jesus has the answer. I don't know about you, but I could care less what Brady thinks about an answer to one of these questions. Oh, maybe you care, but it's not going to have much importance to us. We want to see what God Almighty has to say to us about the questions that are near and dear to our heart. And this morning, I want to kick this series off with a question that you have asked, and it's the number one question that you have asked. It's been asked in different forms, different ways. You gave different examples, but it could be summarized in this. Why does God allow suffering? Now here's what's important about this. Whenever we get serious enough to ask God the real questions on our heart, and, and I, I could see in your handwriting as you would write this question down, many of you, this was a very felt need question. This means you can think about some very specific suffering in your life, and your honest heart says, God, why did this happen to me? Why did this happen to my family? Why did this happen to my friend? Why am I going through this? And whenever we ask God the very real questions on our heart, We need to expect to hear him answer. And I believe he wants to answer us today. Without warning, something can happen that will change your life forever. A loved one could be disabled in an accident or an illness. A promising career could be cut short by a layoff. A child passes away before their parent. A marriage crumbles, a fire, a flood, or an earthquake could destroy your home or your business. How will you react? Do you question God? In the midst of these difficulties, your mind may screen questions like, Why did this happen to me? God, where are you? Johnny Erickson, some of you have heard her life story. At age 17, she entered into a lifetime of suffering that most of us will not know. Johnny Erickson was involved in a swimming accident. She was diving into water that she thought was much deeper than it was. And as she dove into the water, it was a shallow place in that water. And her head struck the ground and she was instantly paralyzed. And for the rest of her life could not use her arms or her legs. As she writes about this suffering, this tragedy that she went through, 
She said, what possible good could come out of what I'm going through now? And in the most honest, heartfelt question, she said, why me, God? I've not experienced that type of suffering, but no doubt every person in this room has suffered something. How many times have you had the question come to your mind, why me, God? And as we dive into God's Word, we're going to find some very real answers in His Word that are foundational, that are concrete for us, that we need to put our feet on. But we're not only going to hear from the written Word of God, we're going to allow the living Word, Jesus, to speak to our hearts today. And we're going to close with the living Word tugging at our heart, wanting to bring healing to us. But before we do, I think there's some, some help that we shouldn't ignore in God's Word. It starts with this understanding that life is filled with suffering because the world we live in is a fallen and sinful world. Each of us will experience some measure of agony, some measure of suffering in our life. The format, the duration may be different from the person next to you and to you, but you will experience something. If you've not suffered anything yet, hold on, honey, it is coming and probably soon. And so if you're here today and you go, I can't think of any problems in my life, then you listen close because there's someone in your circle of influence who desperately needs to hear what God can say to you today. Or hang on because it will be here sooner than you think. All of us have and will face some kind of suffering. And as we dive into this, we need to see that not all suffering is exactly the same. There's three types of suffering I want to highlight this morning that can help us. First is sinful suffering. Ezekiel 33.10 is a good example of this type of suffering. Ezekiel 33.10 says, Our offenses and sins weigh us down, and we are wasting away because of them. Friend, I care about you enough to, to not sugarcoat it. Not all, but some of the suffering that we face can be directly attributed to the willful disobedience in our life. God says, this is my plan, I want you to do this, and you say, no, I want to do it this way. God says, Don't you say, I will. There are consequences. It's not so much a punitive thing where God is trying to smite you and throw lightning bolts at you. But every time that God says, don't do this, he's saying, don't do it. It's going to hurt you. It's going to hurt someone else. And every time he says, do this, he says, do this. It's going to bless you. It's going to bless someone else. And when we resist God's leadership in our life, it can cause suffering. So there's some suffering that is sinful suffering. But not all suffering is attributed to our own willful disobedience, our own personal sin. We find that Scripture will, will talk to us about spiritual suffering. Philippians 1.29, For to you has been given the privilege not only of trusting Him, but also suffering for Him. Talking about Jesus. So if, if you're going to be a, a radical follower of Jesus, if you're going to be a disciple of Jesus and following after Him with all of your life, Scripture says, expect to suffer. In John 1, it tells us that Jesus is life. He is the light of men. And His very creation, He created everything. His very creation didn't even recognize Him. It's bad enough when you drop your kid off at school and they act like they don't know who you are because you're not a cool dad anymore. But imagine being the creator of every living thing and and they don't even recognize you. And Jesus is is the creator and he's there and they don't recognize him and it gets worse yet. Tonight we're going to talk about it on Sunday night at 6 o'clock in the youth center. We're moving Sunday night to the youth center for tonight. But we're going to look at how they rejected him. 
And if they rejected Jesus, God help us, why would we think that the world would accept us? Jesus prepares us. He says, if you follow after me, there will be suffering. And he doesn't want it to take place. But this fallen, sinful world rejected Jesus. And if you become like Christ, they will reject you as well. So there's some suffering that is spiritual suffering. We also see that there's worldly suffering. John 16, in this world, you will have trouble. But take heart, I have overcome the world. We just sing about Jesus being the overcomer. But in this fallen world, there are things in this natural world that have been affected because of sin. And there is suffering just by being on this planet. We live on a broken planet. Everything has been damaged and corrupted by the entry of evil of sin into the world. Before sin, this was a perfect paradise. After the fallen world, it messed up everything. There are natural, physical, emotional, and relational implications to sin, not just spiritual implications. Sometimes we compartmentalize and say, well, because of sin, then I have this spiritual problem, but it shouldn't affect anything physically, it shouldn't affect anything relationally, it shouldn't affect anything in the natural world around us. And God's Word clearly says it affected everything. In Romans 8, creation was uh, um, condemned to lose its purpose. The original purpose of creation was to be in perfect harmony with man and perfect harmony with God. As a result, all of creation groans in pain. This world is a fallen, broken place because of sin. Now, as we move through, a couple other questions come to the surface. And if we're going to get some help and some healing with this very real question of why does God allow suffering, we need to understand that God does not cause sin. He does not cause sin evil he does not cause suffering romans 5 12 when adam sinned sin entered the entire human race his sin spread death throughout all the world so everything began to grow old and die for all sinned it was this willful disobedience against god that adam led us in as we went into this willful disobedience it was not just his personal sin but we inherit this original sin this bent towards evil this bent that i want what i want how i want it now it's what you recognize in your toddler no one had to teach them to say no mine i want it my way it's this something inbred that i want what i want at the core sin is selfishness it's, it's heart caved in on itself, and we are born into this from the fall in Genesis. If we don't get the creation understanding of where sin came from and, and how it came into this world, it will mess everything else up for us. But then the very real question would be, is, well, well why did God allow that? Okay, because Adam and Eve sinned, everything got messed up, but, but why didn't he just put a stop to that? See, God loved you, God loved me so much that he created us to make our own choices. He created you and me to make our own choices. See, when we're allowed to make our own choices, there is freedom for us to make bad choices. Now, hang with me here, this isn't a riddle, all right? He wants us to love him. If he forces us to love him, it's not really love. So he's created you and me to have the free will to choose to love him and to give you and me the freedom to choose to love him. By very nature, we have to have the freedom to choose not to or else we didn't choose. Does that make sense? It's not meant to be a riddle. I guess the simple as I can put it is, is if you think of a dog owner who has a dog who's on a very short leash and they keep them next to them all the time. But as soon as they would 
unclip the leash, the dog would run away. Did the dog really like the, the master, or was the dog just there because he's on a short leash? Was there any reciprocal relationship, or was it just a control thing? You see, God loves us and created us to have a relationship with Him far more than a man and his dog. As, as creator to creation, and we are made in His image, there is to be a relationship, a love relationship there, and it, it required a choice. See, many tragedies and sufferings are a result of someone's bad choice. It may not be your bad choice. But as sin entered in the world, suffering became a very strong reality. See, if we did not have the freedom to make our own choices, we could never really love God the way he created us to love him. It would be a forced love. It would be a robot love. It would be just some kind of programmed thing into us. But he wants us to have a relationship with him. And so that very free will gives the opportunity for us to resist it. But God did not create evil. It comes from bad choices that we make, that others before us have made, that we have inherited. C.S. Lewis said, God whispers to us in our pleasures, speaks to us in our conscience, but shouts in our pains. It's his megaphone to rouse a deaf world. This suffering and pain that Johnny Erickson, this lady who broke her neck and was paralyzed, couldn't use her arms and legs for her whole life. She speaks about her suffering and pain as she writed later on and wrote later on in her life and would do some writings that would help many people. She said, the suffering and pain have helped me mature emotionally, mentally, spiritually. Pain and suffering have found a purpose in my life, and I believe God is working in my life to create grace and wisdom out of the chaos of pain and depression. I didn't say that. That's a lady who who had a great tragedy take place that would cause me to ask her lots of questions, and yet she found some kind of hope and healing here. Suffering is a catalyst that produces a spiritual change in us. God intends suffering to draw us into his loving arms. Now, Satan, however, he has a very different plan. Whenever suffering happens, Satan is very quick to give you an invitation to be tempted to doubt God, to be angry at God, to to resist God. But God is drawing you in towards him. Jesus explains in John 10.10, the thief's purpose is to steal, kill, and destroy. But my purpose is to give you life to its fullest. So Jesus is calling Satan out, saying, hey, hey, this suffering, he's trying to drive a wedge between us, but I want this to make us even stronger together. See, often in suffering we learn to refocus our attention on God. The psalmist says in 119, verse 71, the suffering you sent was good for me. It taught me to pay attention to your principles. God doesn't want to waste any suffering we have. He didn't create it. He didn't want it to be there, but he's not going to waste it. So God uses suffering. Jot that down. God uses suffering in our life. Romans 8.28. I'm afraid this is one of the most misquoted passages, so I want to make sure we get this right. Romans 8.28. And we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. Friends, this does not mean that God says all things are good. Look at it again. God says... And we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him. Paul is teaching us what God's heart is here. He says, in all things. He didn't say that God thinks all things are good. He didn't say that God 
causes all bad things to happen to us. He says, in all things, God wants to work in them to bring good about for those who trust him. Those who believe in Jesus, there is hope in the midst of suffering that breaks God's heart that he doesn't want to take place. 2 Corinthians 4.18, so we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but what is unseen. For what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. I want to, in rapid fire, super fast, give you seven ways that God does this. Now, sometimes I hear you tell me, Brady, you talk too fast. Now, I appreciate you letting me know that, but I need to let you know you're listening too slow. Okay? So it's a matter of perspective. So this is warning. My talker is going to speed up. So for this to work, you need to speed up your listener, all right? So it's right here, just behind your ear, just turn the dial. We're going to listen fast, and we're going to catch some of the things that God can do in us through suffering. It's not going to scratch all the itch. Now, I want to warn you, there's some, when we started this message, you have a very real situation. And when you hear some of these, even though they are rooted in God's truth, they are foundational for us, we need to know them, it's going to feel like, yeah, right. And that's okay. We're going to get to that, yeah, right feeling in a minute. But we have to see God does something in us through suffering. To help us, there's a little acrostic I want us to use, triumph. God wants to bring triumph in our life over suffering. God uses suffering to produce, the letter T, training in obedience. Hebrews 5.8, even though Jesus was God's son, he learned obedience from the things he suffered. If it was good for Jesus, it's good for us. And we can too learn from suffering. Suffering can teach us and teach us to be obedient to God. The psalmist states in Psalm 119:67, "Before I was afflicted, I went astray, but now I obey your word. Through ignorance, through foolishness, even through willful rebellion, sometimes we disobey God's command and there's a consequence for that. Or someone else has disobeyed God's command and there's a consequence, and we can see that it trains us how important obedience is." Let's go on to the next letter R. Refinement of your character. Isaiah 48 verse 10. I have refined you, but not in the way silver is refined. Rather, I have refined you in the furnace of suffering. This is what Job is talking about. In Job 23.10, he says, God knows the way that I take when he has tested me. I will come forth as gold. There's this refining. There's this pressing out of all the impurities that happens in suffering. And there's a refinement of our character. There's also intimacy. Intimacy with the compassionate Savior who loves you desperately. This is one. It can kind of feel like, yeah, right, but just hang with me. Job says in chapter 42, verse 5, I've heard about you before, but now I have seen you with my own eyes. Have you sat with somebody who's walked through suffering, and they come out through that suffering and say, I'm even so thankful for that crisis that took place? been more than a decade ago, I, I witnessed my dad who had a heart surgery because of a birth defect uh, in a heart valve. He caught an infection in his heart. It damaged the muscles in his heart, and it took him to death's door, and he was there for a long, long time. He was in the hospital for weeks on end, months on end. He, he had to let go of the ministry that God had called him to, and he was there all by himself, and he said, Brady... In that hospital room when no one else was with me, Jesus was so real. There was an intimacy with Jesus. He said, I'm so thankful that I had the heart crisis. And if I didn't know the truth in his eyes, I would have said, liar. There is no way. 
But the, the intimacy with Jesus was so real, he said, God used it. I don't believe that God caused it, but God used it. You, there's understanding, letter U. Understanding of the hurts of others. This scripture refers to Jesus in Hebrews 4, 5, 15 when it says, The high priest of ours understands our weakness, for he faced all the same temptations we do, yet he did not sin. We can have understanding for the hurts of others. Have you been around somebody that, that's not had very much pain in their life? Don't say their name out, but have you been around someone like that? It just, you know, everything seemed to go great for them. Now, one, it may be a facade, and, and there's pain under there you don't know about, so just be careful. We'd get all up in your attitude about it, okay? But, but sometimes we come across people that, to the best of our knowledge, just haven't suffered anything. I've found, I'll tell you a secret, those are very difficult people to be around. The person who's never had any pain, never had any suffering, never had any hurt in their life, you know what? I found they're often the person who just loves to answer all of your questions. You just had something go, go wrong, and I got 15 things to tell you how you could have done it right. Be quiet. It's just, there, there's not an ability to empathize with anybody. They, they haven't experienced that, and, and it just seems so foreign to them, and some really weird, messed up theology comes out because they feel like if you love God the way they did, then you shouldn't have any problems in your life, and those people are a great blessing to all of us, I think. See, experience adversity allows us to understand and empathize with those who are hurting. The Bible talks about this chain of comfort that is knit together in 2 Corinthians 1, 4. God comforts us in all of our troubles so that we can comfort others. When others are troubled, we'll be able to give them the same comfort that God has given us. Now, I, I confess, this is one of those, yeah, right, all right? I was 14 years old, laying on a couch in Oskaloosa, Iowa, and uh, the doctors had come up with some pretty strong diagnosis of my chronic asthma. In fact, they even made some predictions on how long I would live, and a couple doctors said, we don't think you'll live past 40. i got a couple more years, and I'm going to prove them wrong. And it was devastating to me, because they said, well, we really don't advise that you do any more varsity athletics. This isn't going to work for you, and, and that's not a thing, and then that was... It was actually a God in my life at that time, and so that was another crisis going on. And in the scheme of things, looking back, Johnny Erickson couldn't use her arms and her legs. And I was fine. I just didn't get to play football longer than I wanted to, as long as I wanted to. But for a 14-year-old, hearing that news, and, and, and I tried to fight it for a few years, but it was devastating to me. And I had a, a friend come to me and say, Brady, God's going to use this suffering to help you identify with people. You know what I thought? Who cares about them? I didn't, I didn't think about wanting to help you. I, did, I wanted to play football. And to be honest, that's where our feeling is, our heart is, and we'll get to there in a minute. So if you're feeling that, hang on. But we need to see the fact. It doesn't change the fact that God wants to build compassion in me, whether I want to or not. Now, I don't know many people who just signed up and said, give me pain. I really want to be used. Now, if you find that person, they're amazing, okay? But most of us are like, oh, I don't want to. But guess what? You're going to have pain, whether you want it or not, so might as well let God use it in you. It leads to maturity, maturity for ministering to others. Adversity prods us to grow and prepares us to minister to others, whether we want to or not, whether we like it or not, it will prepare us to minister. Letter P, perseverance in difficult times. The Bible tells us in James, dear brothers, if your life is full of difficulties, full of temptations, then be happy. For when the way is rough, your patience has a chance to grow. It's like when you exercise your muscles, they're strengthened by encountering and overcoming resistance. As a bodybuilder lifts weights, he lifts and tears muscles. And as those they tear, they heal and they get thicker. It's a painful process, but they get stronger. 
As we go through pain and suffering, our faith is strengthened by the ripping and the tearing and the healing of our heart through Christ. Finally, that leads to hope. Hope for the future. The Bible tells us in Romans, we also rejoice in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces perseverance, perseverance character, and character hope. And hope does not disappoint us because God has poured out His love into our hearts by the Holy Spirit whom He has given to us. There is hope for the believer in suffering. Now, I said all that because we started this series saying that we're going to take your heartfelt questions and let God's Word speak to them. And whenever God's Word speaks clearly, that's going to be our first and primary response. And so thus, that's what we've heard. God's Word all over the place talks about suffering. But in addition to that, what's deep in my heart today, what I feel like Jesus wants me to so clearly declare to you, is that it is okay for you to ask why. You need this foundation. You need to understand that, that sin is what's the cause of all this pain and that God does not want us to suffer and He won't waste the suffering. We need to know those things. They're foundational for us. They're biblical for us. But it's okay to ask why. Well, how do you know that, Brady? Jesus did. Jesus asked why. Matthew 27, 46, about the ninth hour, Jesus cried out in a loud voice. He didn't whisper. He didn't mutter. He didn't just put it in his prayer journal somewhere. He cried out loud, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? He was hurting physically. His heart was hurting. He cried out, why? I believe Jesus was modeling for us what a heart should do that is broken, what a heart should do that is angry, what a heart should do that, that is confused. And I'm not trying to say Jesus was angry or confused, but I'm trying to say in his woundedness he cried out to the Father. And in our woundedness, in our anger, in our hurt, and in our pain, the most healthy thing we can do is cry out directly to the Father, This hurts! And tell him everything that we are feeling. It opens up relationship. You see, someday we will understand. But often, here on earth, we may not understand. Now there's some things you get enough time and distance you can get some perspective and you can see some things differently but friends there's some things that i've heard that you've walked through i I don't understand and i don't think five more years or ten more years is going to help me understand it why is that see god always operates from an eternal perspective but we often operate from a temporal perspective we find it in isaiah 55 for my thoughts are not your thoughts neither are my ways your ways declares the lord As the heavens are higher than the earth, so my ways are higher than your ways, and my thoughts higher than your thoughts. There's some stuff that just won't make sense to us here on this earth. We may understand for a little bit here, but it's like a cloudy picture, but there I will see clearly what is going on. This week I sat with Stephanie. Who was... Burying her husband that died. Stephanie's in her 40s. I didn't know Stephanie till this tragedy. As I got to know her story, this was her second husband. Her first husband died nine years earlier in an automobile accident. Nine years later, she and her husband are in a car accident and Michael loses his life. As I looked into the eyes of Jake, who's 12 years old, as I looked into the eyes of Mallory, who's 17 years old, as I looked into the eyes of Brennan, who's 18 or 19 years old, I didn't have an answer for why. 
you know what? If, if I try to come up with some kind of pat, trite, quick answer to answer all the specific things of what would happen, God's Word gives us a lot of truth. But when you're walking through it, it, it doesn't feel very helpful. In fact, that's what Job's friends did to him. They lined up to tell him all the things of what they thought. And they were so far off, they missed it. It wasn't helpful. The best thing he could have done was just shut up and be quiet and just be there. But while Job's friends weren't much help with the why question, Job found tremendous help when God's presence showed up with him. And and God's presence helped him look just beyond the why question to see the power of the who question, who can help. And when, when God was there with him, he helped him see what's next and was able to bring healing See, all of us, when we go through pain and suffering, we deal with it in one of three ways. Some of us, we hide our hurt. We stuff it down in. We press it in our body. We bear it and hang on to it. And I pray for those people that are like a pressure cooker that's going to explode. It's going to come out. It's damaging to us. There's others. We don't hide it. We hurl our suffering and pain over everybody. I know it sounds gross, but it's gross. That's what happens. And they, they look for anyone and everyone to blame God and it's included. And, and they just they, they put it on everybody else. And, and if someone else finds peace in the midst of their suffering around them, and guess what? Subconsciously they want to make them suffer too because they haven't found any peace in their suffering. And their heart is wounded. And friend, both of these, they, they end in destruction to us. But thank God, there's a third opportunity. We can allow Jesus to bring healing to our hurt. You see, if we, if we take our honest feelings to God and we just tell Him where we are at, honestly, we can bring he, see Him bring healing into our life. Some good Christian people think, well, Brady, I can't do that. I've got some pretty strong feelings about God. I'm angry at what's taking place, and, and I can't stand it. You know what? I believe God wants you to take your anger right to Him, your pain right to Him. I think for some of us, the best thing we can do today is find a solitary place and just have it out with God and tell Him what we're feeling. We can't do that, Brady. Is that okay? It's not only okay, it's biblical. King David, who was a man after God's own heart, poured out his pain to God, often in the Psalms. He cried out, Lord, good people are suffering. Evil people are getting away with it. This isn't right. God, why don't you do something about this? These are the words from an honest heart. By the way, an honest heart is the only heart that God can forgive. And it's an only heart that God can heal. See, I can't have God heal the hurts in my life until I let him bring salvation into my life. If you're here today and you haven't met Jesus as your Lord and Savior and your heart is hurting, he wants to bring salvation to you and then he wants to bring healing to your heart. But friend, while everything I've shared with you thus far is rock solid in the why question, I believe what is most helpful is when we look to Jesus, we can look for just a moment past the why question, look to the who. Jesus can make a huge difference, the only difference that really matters in our life, and he can bring healing. He tells us in Matthew eleven twenty eight, Come to me, all who are weary, all who carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. And I say all that to say this. I love your honest question. I know it's not very glamorous just to talk about suffering today. We talked about encouragement a couple weeks ago. We talked about grace last week. Now we get suffering this week. What do we do? Just stuff it down? We feel that question. We've asked it. I believe that for someone here today, God may not scratch all the itch to the why, but he's saying, just look at me for a minute. Just lift your eyes from the why for just a minute to see the who, me, 
because I want to help you see what's next. I have healing for you. If you're here today, and you just need to be transparent and honest with Jesus, you just need, if you're carrying suffering, if you're carrying a burden, if you're carrying a weight, I invite you to do what Jesus said. Let's, let's see if he makes good on his word. Come to me, all who are weary, all who carry heavy burdens, and I want to give you rest. I want to give you peace. I want to minister to your soul. If, if that's you today, I want to invite you. In just a minute, Pastor Edgar's going to sing. And maybe some of us here will sing with Pastor Edgar as our prayer. But if God's speaking to you, stop stuffing the pain. Don't keep hurling the pain. But let's let Jesus bring healing to it. I don't have an answer for Stephanie, for Jake, for Mallory, for Brennan. Not to the why question, but I do for the who. And if you want to take Jesus up on that and you want to say, Jesus, we just need to have a talk. I just need to tell you of my pain. He says, that's what I want to do with your suffering. I want to wrap my arms around you, son. I want to wrap my arms around your daughter. But Brady, this is the suffering that I've caused. It's been my own disobedience. He says, get in here, child. I love you. Forgiveness is granted. This is the pain that's not my fault. It's somebody else's and I'm angry. He says, come in here, child. I know what it's like to be wrong that you don't deserve it. But if God is speaking to you, come join me at this altar. Let's pray. We're not going to hang out long, but let's pray together. Let's do that now.